Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. Rob, last week or the week before, it was you with COVID. Now it's me. You've transferred it to me over Zoom, over StreamYard, whatever we're doing this on. Uh, So thanks for that, Rob. Cheers. This new strain of digital COVID, which has hit all of us, especially in our industry here, sat in front of cameras in our houses. I apologise, Scott. I, I tend to think that you won't be able to prove it was me. That's just the way the world is. Mm-hmm. But I hope you get better soon. And uh, well done for kind of pulling yourself up here today onto your chair to be able to speak to our audience and speak to me. I apologise to the audience if you're watching me on YouTube for looking a little bit rough. Feeling a bit uh, bit rough behind the eyes. But we'll plod on because there's loads to talk about when it comes to Manchester United. Uh, this week. Over the last few weeks, Rob, we've just been dragging our heels a little bit, waiting for transfers to get done. But this week, there's a departure for the preseason tour on Friday. Thailand and Australia, United fly out. The international players who went on international duty the back end of last season have returned on Monday. Apart from one, uh, we'll talk about him. I'm sure you can guess who that is. Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously. We'll talk about that later in the show. But United are actually doing some signings as well. So Tyrell Malasia is basically done. By the time you listen to this, I would imagine it's been announced officially by United. He's actually uh, spoken about the move as well. Uh, Christian Eriksen has chosen Man United as well. And he could be on the preseason tour flight uh, after everything is formalized and completed. So we'll talk about him. We'll talk about... Lisandro Martinez as well. Obviously, we are hoping that uh, United will be able to win the race for him ahead of Arsenal. Uh, there's the Ten Hag link, obviously, plays for Ajax at the moment. We'll probably talk about Frankie de Jong later in the show as well, because that's dragging on. But yeah, uh, I'm sure that the Ronaldo section will take up the majority of the time that we spend on this podcast today. But you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., And now you can watch us on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube twice a week. Uh, Head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromisedLandMU. Let's start, Rob, with... uh, We'll leave the Ronaldo stuff to later on. Let's start with Malasia. Obviously, young Dutch left back. We knew that this deal was happening last week. United moved quickly to, you know, bat Leon out of the race, and they've won this. Uh, they've won this race, and now they have. It, it appears four left backs by the looks of it. So, Alex Telles, Brandon Williams, Luke Shaw, and Terrell Malasia on the books. You said you wouldn't talk about Alex Telles today, so we'll try not to there. But what this is a good deal, isn't it? He's he's had some things to say about working with Ten Hag. We'll get into that in a little bit. But what are your thoughts on this, the first transfer of the summer? Literally no downsides on it. And no downsides because of the player profile, but also because of the player's price and wage. So we've talked a lot about finances over the years, about what United really needs to do in terms of their structure and the type of player they need to go for. I said before previously, United need to go and look for their next kind of like Andy Robertsons, as the same that Liverpool did, go and shop in different marketplaces to go and get players that can help you. I think this is a very Andy Robertson type signing, very affordable from a club where you can go and do business with quickly and you can get him in and then 
groom him to be the kind of player you want him to be. So I think uh, Malachi's uh, skill sets are are pretty defined. We know what he can and can't do. And I think that when you look at United's squad, he will be a great complement to Luke Shaw. So you're going to have two very, very good fullbacks. They can do the wing-back function. They can actually do some defending as well. And not feel that if you let, uh, so I say his name, Alex Teller's coming to the team, that you're going to ship goals on the opposite side. So I think it's a great signing and uh, a good bit of first business for Ten Hag. It's taking us time, United. They didn't go through June with a with a signing. Uh, obviously, early July now, and it's a key week for a lot of players. United <coughs> want... <coughs> I'm coughing there as well. Sorry, Ron. Uh, United want uh, some new arrivals on that flight to Thailand and Australia. Of course. United fly out there on Friday. Uh, Malasir said, uh, Mr. Ten Hag is a very good trainer and also a warm person. So I had, had a good conversation with him and have a very good feeling about him. That's important because if all goes well, we will work together for years. I'm looking forward to that because I think I can learn a lot from him. He makes players who want to work hard better. That's what you want in a manager, right? I've been great. Do you know, like all of this stuff about there's so much. Have you noticed the negativity growing? Cause United haven't signed any players over the last few weeks. And everyone thinks these players are awful. Mm-hmm. I always come back to that point on this show about like, you know, I haven't had a manager who will actively look to improve these players. So there's a lot of upside there potentially if Ten Hag can get this right. And that's what I'm leaning on for optimism wise. Uh, so yeah, the, the first arrival in through the door, uh, also inspired by Robin Van Persie when he was growing up, Rob. Yep. Feyenoord player, obviously, Robin Van Persie. Um, there is actually photos going around, I think, of uh, of Robin at the end when he went back to Feyenoord and Malachia together. And obviously, it was always his hero. And, of course, Robin Van Persie, former Manchester United Premier League winner. Of course, he only won one Premier League at one club, Robin Van Persie, no matter who he played for in England. Um, so, yep, he's got that connection there. And I think that, again, as you just said about those comments... This is what you want to hear from players now. I don't want to hear players talking about Manchester United like it's the cash cow or it's just the allure or it's just the stage. I want to hear I'm coming to work hard and I want to win. And that's that, you know, bottom dollar. So I'm really pleased of how Malachi has kind of put those first comments out because I think I think he knows that he's not an automatic first choice. But he could be, couldn't he? You know, I think he's good enough that as the season rolls along, that if he plays well, that that carrot will be dangled in front of him by Ten Hag. Yeah, uh, there's been suggestions uh, from those in the know about how United's training sessions have gone in the first week or so that Ten Hag will look at who's performing best. doesn't matter about salary or whatever. It doesn't matter of status. If you're performing the best in training, you want it the most, you'll you'll get a, you'll get a chance by the looks of it, and that's the right way to do it because United have been reliant on reputation for far too long now. Uh, this one's a good one. Uh, you know, they don't need another left back really in the circumstances, but I think if they can move on uh, the player who we will not mention at some point, and Brandon Williams goes out on loan again, or if they end up selling him, or he moves across to right back, then I think that's a that's a good balance there. But yeah, the next one. Obviously, that that will be that'll be announced in the in the coming hours or days. We'll see that before the tour. I'm sure he's done his medical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The next one, Christian Eriksen. We didn't want to spend too long on uh, on Malasia because we've done him in the past. But Eriksen this week has made it known that he would like to join Man United. Uh, so let's spend a little bit of time on this one, Rob, because 
you're quite excited about this, aren't you? I am excited, and I think I'm more excited now about it than I would have been if we'd gone and got peak Christian Eriksen for like 80 million or something like that back in the day. <laughs> because it's all about levels and standards and where you are and what, what a player can do. So let's talk a little bit about this deal in terms of the timeline. So we knew very much in the early days of this that the player's preference was to be at a Champions League club and preferably in London. That was it. So kind of narrowed it down, didn't it? So it looked like that he wanted to go out to Tottenham, but Tottenham are not particularly interested. So with all the offers that he did have, it kind of came down to United and Brentford. Uh, he was really happy at Brentford, but Brentford only give him a certain kind of stage, don't they? Mid-table. So United are only slightly above that. But I think in terms of a football club and coming somewhere and having an impact... United are primed, aren't they, for a player like Christian Eriksen to come in. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited because United have put this offer on the table very early for Eriksen and he's had time to mull over it and think about it. He's been on holiday and he's had those thoughts and he's thought, I fancy this. So, again, it's the Ten Hag link there. I think uh, Eriksen did actually do some training with Ajax while, uh, while Ten Hag was the manager there. So they kind of built up a relationship and a rapport then. Um and I think this is kind of a little bit of a follow-on with that. Ten Hag seems to have this connection with players uh, in a way that, say, Guardiola does as well, is that he gets inside people's heads and people like him and they feel that he's a winner and they want to be part of his winning culture. So, yes, Ericsson, Melichia, the first two signings. Uh, I think he just needs to obviously get his medical done this week and I think he'll be on the tour. Me too. Uh, I think so. Um, we're hearing that. The wages aren't too bad either. There were suggestions that you wanted about a 10 million sign-on fee from somewhere. I think in the region of about 150k a week, I believe, with uh, bonuses potentially added in there, taking it past 200. But I think that's market rate for someone like that. Really. Very it's affordable. decent. Yeah, look, look, you lost one matter off your books, didn't you? So this is kind of a, not an almost like for night skill set, but in terms of wages and you look at the players going out, so you can talk about Lingard and Pogba as part of that as well. It's not really a big outlay for Manchester United, whatever the signing fee, uh, sign-off fee ends up being. I think that this is more about a sporting project for the player and that he likes Manchester United for that reason. So what? So United have Bruno Fernandes, they have mm -hmm. Donny, and now they have Eriksen coming in. All traditionally number 10s, but obviously can play in different positions. Where does Ericsson fill? Where, where does Ericsson fit in and what role does he fulfill for you? Well, I do think in the midfield, and I'm talking more about attacking midfielders, I would say, is that they've become almost positionless. They're not really pigeonholed into a part of the pitch anymore. It's about mobility and how you play. So with Christian Ericsson, if you just think about uh, Ten Hag's stylistic properties of his teams... What does he do? Well, he can either play 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. You wouldn't want Ericsson in any kind of double pivot. He doesn't really do that. But he could play in any of those three positions behind a striker or even as a foursome at the top end in a kind of false role. So Ericsson can do all of that. Ericsson can get the ball on the halfway line. He can get it on the right. He can get it at 10. He can get it in the box. He's one of those players that's just going to help you so much in terms of your creativity. So the reason why I'm so kind of high on the signing is that United just simply haven't had a player, I think, as good as him as what he does for so many seasons. I've mentioned Juan Mata there, but let's be honest, you know, Juan's not really been part of the, the full rotation for a long time. as He's kind of just been a, a bystander on the bench for a while and leaving the football club was 
probably the right thing to do. But if you're going to replace him, I, I, like you just said there with Bruno and Donny van der Beek, I think we'll see Donny as more a third man, number 10 now, running in the box and being that kind of player. Hopefully get De Jong sorted. That sorts out your core midfield. And it allows Ericsson and Bruno to be creators. And maybe even Bruno to be a false nine if you lose your starting striker. So I think all these moving parts are exciting. And I think that Ericsson gives Ten Hag the chance to create a Ten Hag team. You know, a team that's actually really good in possession, works hard, but can pass the air out of the football like Guardiola's teams do. I'm excited. I think we might have mentioned this on the show already, but I'm excited to have someone in the team who can take set pieces accurately. <laughs> oh, just United have talked about dead ball specialists for years, haven't we? And we go all the way back to David Beckham, don't we? All those years ago, and United were great at dead ball specialist. You know, being you know free kicks and corners, and you know that kind of looping cross into the box and allowing your your defenders to get on the end of it not really had someone that can truly deliver a dead ball as well as Christian Eriksen for years. People say Bruno Fernandes is that player. I don't believe it. I think Bruno's pretty good at dead balls, but we've not scored loads more goals because of it, have we? So I was watching it last year with Eriksen and, and really keen to see what he was doing with the ball from the dead ball for Brentford. He's just as good as he's ever been. He was very you know? good at Old Trafford as well, wasn't he? I know United won the he game was. comfortably in the end, but he was very good. Yeah, he was a highlight for them. And I, and I again... Sometimes it's easier to shine at a team that has less expectations. But he's been kind of the star of that team for six months since he, when he obviously went to the football club. So I think there was more of a weight of expectation on him at Brentford. And he delivered. So, you know, if we just if we see that Christian Eriksen at Manchester United, you know, our midfield has been full of holes like a colander for so many years. I think he could slot straight in. He knows the Premier League. He, he's, he's a cool customer. Like, he doesn't get flustered. Uh, and I think he's a high-level operator. So all of those things kind of gives me the And a real hope. pro as well, right? Totally. Well, you Proper know, like you pro. just mentioned, you mentioned Paul Pogba there and like before we've t- we talked about players that, you know, the, the Instagram generation, all of this. Um, I think Christian Eriksen's Twitter account just says, Christian Eriksen, footballer. That's all it says. No Does bio, actually- nothing. <laughs> I think that's all it says. Football player. I think that's what it says. Christian Eriksen, bio, football player. That's it. Not endorsed by you know who or etc. It actually et does as well. Football. It does. Football See, emoji. I do my due diligence. Um, you see, and so I, I, I look at that and I go, good, because you're getting a player that just it's not coming to ruffle feathers. Again, he's coming just to play. He's a footballer, and I think he knows that Old Trafford is an incredible stage for him, especially obviously what's happened to him in the last year with his health and stuff. But from again, what we hear is that his health is fantastic. That there is no issues around that. And he's actually probably healthier than he was before his cardiac arrest, obviously, for Denmark. He's actually kind of worked out a lot of things for himself in terms of his regime. So I think that's all really positive. And I think that I think he'll be starter at United. I actually do. I don't think he's going to be a guy that sits on the bench a lot. He's coming because Ten Hag has told him that he wants him to play. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine he's uh, accepted this just to, you know, sit on the bench and play a bit part role. United have a few options. Uh, and I think just somebody who's as good on the ball as he is is just, uh, especially on a on a free transfer, is just decent business. Obviously, it's going to cop some criticism from some quarters because uh, United are criticised for everything nowadays. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a good deal. Very happy with it, and hopefully, this is done in time uh, for him to be a part of the preseason traveling party on Friday, as we've mentioned. 
Lisandro Martinez, will he be on that flight as well? Uh, United are still in pursuit of him. We spoke to Harry, just uh, Harry's our producer, just uh, before we started recording. 50-50, he says, because Arsenal want Lisandro Martinez as well. But I, I think United might nick this one next few days. I think it's 55-45 in favour of Manchester United. So uh, I think, well, with the player, it was always about whether Manchester United really wanted him. Because I think in the early days of this saga, because it is a little mini saga now, and I think it will play out for a little bit longer, it was Arsenal that made the moves. Arsenal wanted the player. Um, there was a time when it didn't feel like Martinez was going to leave Ajax in any capacity because Ajax don't particularly need to sell, obviously trying to maintain their core after losing their manager. But then it became quite evident quite quickly that his representation said that he will move to England. He was going to move to the Premier League. And and the fact that they didn't say straight away he was moving to Arsenal, despite Arsenal being the interested party and the only interested party, that left it open for Manchester United to make their inquiries. So um, we know that Ten Hag wants a player. We know that Ten Hag and Martinez have an excellent relationship. Kind of a little bit like the Anthony situation where the player has kind of categorically said how much he loves the manager. And I think Anthony did use the words, if you ever need me again, boss, you know where I am. That's kind of like, you know, that's that's quite a departing statement. Isn't that it? is the now, come and get me plea. Hmm. Yeah, you know, if you ever need me, boss, you know, I'm at your old club. But if you want me, then, you know, sign the zeros. And Martinez has kind of said something very, very similar as well. So let's see how that develops. I, I do think that if it, if it becomes clear that he only wants to go to Manchester United, I think Arsenal will probably pull the plug quite quickly because we've still got eight weeks of the window left, but everyone's got to get the targets that they believe they can actually get. So I think they're still in that negotiation phase now. Um, but will he be on the tour? Potentially, he might not be on the flight on Friday, but there's every chance that if, if a deal is, is brokered, that you get that medical done quickly, you stick him on a plane, on a private jet, and he finds his way to Australia. Yeah, United have moved on too. Obviously, we've got Malassia and Ericsson effectively done, not officially announced yet, but they are all but done by the looks of it. And I think United will probably turn their attention next to Lisandro Martinez, although they already have. Uh, United have some business to take care of there. And I, I don't think... Uh, I think he'd join Arsenal as well. I'm not saying that he wouldn't join mm-hmm. Arsenal, but I think uh, he'd like to move to the Premier League. And I think just United perhaps makes a little bit more sense for him. Yeah, of course. I mean, United uh, fan, of course. I'm going to say uh, that. But of, uh, but of course, but I think I think there's also the bit maybe it's underplayed is obviously Edwin van der Sar's uh, kind of involvement there of being, you know, chief at Ajax and having such incredible connections with Manchester United. So that's kind of how the Ten Hag deal got done. You know, why Ten Hag came to the football club because United have got these existing contacts and they're very, very good contacts. They're actually very friendly. Van der Sar always being very complimentary of Manchester United his time at our football club. He was the guy that told Donny van der Beek, you've got to sign for Manchester United. Didn't quite work out for Donny, might well still work out in the future. But there are all these kind of Ajax connections that are, are quite deep with United. Rob, what's, uh, what's Lisandro Martinez's nickname? The Butcher. <laughs> the Butcher. See that... Why do I like this so much? <laughs> Lissandra, Lissandra your, your eyes lit up. Yeah, the butcher. Like, I, I can, it's, like a, it's like a journalist's dream, isn't it? You know, I can almost see myself writing it a thousand times. He's called the butcher of Amsterdam. Will he become the butcher of Manchester? Um, I like him and his player profile, not just because of his skill set, but that he's a little bit of a, 
I was going to say the B word there. I don't want to say it, obviously, for the, the algorithm picking it up. But he's 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 a bit nasty. Yeah? Like, he will hurt people if he has to for your football team. But he's technically brilliant. And he is uh, he covers a lot of ground, can play different positions. And, and he's just motivated. And I think this is where, if he comes to Manchester United, he, he will shine. Because United have been crying out again for a footballer like that for quite some time, haven't they? So, yes, he can play left-back. Yes, he can play centre-back. I think there's the other upside that he can also play as a defensive midfielder. He can play as a more deep-lying number six. And he's got all the technical attributes to do that if you need it. So, yes, the butcher. I, I can... I can just feel it. I might even get a shirt that just says the butcher on the back, you know, and whatever his number ends up being, maybe number seven. Um, but, you know, he could be the a next kind of cult hero at Manchester United. He's a really, really good player. I can see why Arsenal want him and I can see why Manchester United are interested in him. United need someone with a nickname like the butcher, don't they? They've been a little bit soft last few years. Yeah. Uh, we need... Uh... It's not like Victor Lindelof's like the librarian or something like that. It's because it's not the Isn't same thing, the Iceman? I thought his nickname was the Iceman. Oh, the Iceman. Yeah, well, you know, not really. Things, it? It melted a bit, but... Yeah. <laughs> it, drip, drip, drip. Last few, yeah, uh, hot weather and that kind of stuff at the moment. Yeah. It's not really gone uh, to plan for Victor Lindelof. Hopefully, does... Just a question. Uh, do you think Victor Lindelof is an Eric Ten Hag-style centre-back? Yes and no. I think he's an Eric Ten Hag-style defender in the sense that you could probably play him in a back three, put the ball on the deck and play out with him. You could play him even at right back and have him as an asymmetric fullback and allow maybe Malachia or Luke Shaw to go and do the raiding while... while um, you have Lindelof kind of sitting a little bit deeper, maybe with it next to Varane. So I think that he's got an opportunity under this manager. Do I like Victor Lindelof at Manchester United? Not particularly. I don't think he's good enough. But I do also see that he might do well in this system. Could he be your next Daily Blinds type centre-back as, uh, as Ten Hag had at, at Ajax? Potentially, the answer to that is yes. Victor Lindelof was one player pictured with Ali Dursen, who is uh, the agent of Terrell Malasia and also Frankie de Jong. He's been getting pictures with some United players over the last few days. It's been He's been tying up personal terms for Malasia and potentially discussing de Jong's personal terms as well, as United are in for him. But we'll, we'll talk about Frankie de Jong in a little bit, because I think it ties in potentially to Ronaldo Gate, uh, you know, it, there's been suggestions that George Mendes has been speaking to Barcelona. Obviously, like, let's just top line it. Ronaldo's told Man United he would like to leave over the last few days. Uh, not shocked by this, to be honest. I'm not sure whether you are either. We've Ronaldo's been the point of debate for the entire season. Is Ronaldo effective enough for United? Is he a problem? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, the Ronaldo fanboys are in despair. The United fans are, I don't know. I, like, I know where you're going to sit on this, Rob, and I know where I'm going to sit on this. But yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, he wants to leave the club. There's been a number of interested parties named, uh, but it's not really, look, there's not really like too many clubs that jump out at you and think, yeah, he's definitely going there at the moment. But do we think that if Ronaldo hadn't had something lined up that this would have come out? I'm not sure. Um, what do you make of all of this, Rob? Like the timing, perhaps to start with, has he left it too late to decide this? And why has it come out now? And I'm sure we'll get into it in a second. 
you think that United should sell him, right? Yes. That's, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of said that at the end of last season, that if you could get rid of that bad wage off your wage bill at 27 million quid, £500,000 a week for a player that does not make any of your other teammates better. So I'm not down with that. I'm not down with paying someone half a million pound a week if you just score 25 goals but don't actually help your team win. Do not help the forwards and the midfielders around you. It's got to be a collective effort, Scott. Um, why has this come out now? It's come out now because Cristiano's decided he doesn't want to go on the tour. That's why it's come out now. Cristiano and his agent have been working behind the scenes. We, we kind of knew very early on that if Ronaldo could find a route out of Manchester United, he might actually take it. But we we believed, and we said this on last week's show, that Manchester United had kind of closed a lot of those doors down. We're like, we're not really interested in doing business for him because they didn't really think that anyone would want to take that wage on. Why put your efforts in the to negotiators for those things, trying to get fee for a player? Well, I think the way it might go now is that Cristiano might be allowed to leave on a free transfer because I think the upside of reclaiming that huge wage is massive for Richard Arnold. Um, but it's come out because Cristiano basically doesn't want to go up for pre-season training. That's kind of it. That He's just like, I want to sit at home now, go and get me my next club. And I think, you know, this is me putting my neck on the block again. I think that next club will be Barcelona. So I think he's really interested in going back to La Liga. It's kind of where he had his greatest success. It will cause the biggest storm in football history that is Real Madrid legend, who, let's be honest, Los Blancos fans never really loved Ronaldo. They, they, they kind of did when he was scoring tons of goals, but he never had that connection with them like, the same way that he had the connection with United fans. He really didn't. And now he's going to potentially go to Catalonia and play for their biggest rivals and that hatred is it's the level of Manchester United Liverpool like without doubt you know it's 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 there and even some more so um I said on Twitter the other day I'll say it again Cristiano doesn't represent Manchester United fans he does not represent you people watching us today he does not represent you he represents himself always 100% and it's about his life and his career and what he wants to do so I think the fact that he's decided that he wants to leave Manchester United means that that will now happen and Manchester United now just need to move him on as quickly as you can because this is actually an opportunity for our football club. I see it as that. Ten Hag will be going, we're not going to have to spend weeks talking about the Ronaldo question. Why have you dropped Ronaldo this week, Eric? Because I wanted to. You might have to do that anymore. So I think there's a ton of upside here. And, you know, I was excited about Christian Eriksen because he makes players better. Now go and find yourself a forward that makes your other teammates better. Well, that's potentially one of the problems that United will have if Ronaldo does go. I mean, are you pretty much certain that Ronaldo is going? Because I, I think that as much as United want to come out and say that he's not for sale at the moment, I think that's a position that they're putting out publicly. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of sense out of actually offloading him and his wages and that kind of stuff, especially in a rebuild. Because this is a problem they will have is Ronaldo a problem? This is a problem that they will have to address next year anyway, isn't yeah. it? So it's, a, it's yeah, it's a problem they have to address now, even without any of this happening. So this is what we've been saying again for weeks and months and last year and the end of last season, saying right, Cristiano's scoring you lots of goals that pays lip service to the fans, the fans that love him and the fanboys and fangirls and all of that. But you're losing games horrendously, and you're getting nowhere near the top four. And your ambition this year was to compete for a title and you went south because of how your attack just 
eviscerated and evaporated. And Ronaldo's a huge part of that. So I think that you know none of this kind of surprised me, but you just said there, you know, I don't think Ronaldo will push for a move unless he's got somewhere to go. Like, and, and somewhere that makes a noise. So he's not going to go and play for Accrington Stanley because he wants to get out of Manchester United. I don't think he's sat there in his home in Cheshire saying, oh, I'm desperate to leave United because of X, Y and Z. He's decided he wants to go because there's something else out there for him. So I don't think that that is a, a Juve type move or a Roma type move or a Milan type move. I think that that Barcelona are the team that can offer him the kind of instant bang for his buck. Can you imagine that? Messi's left Barcelona and Ronaldo ends his career in that shirt and being their hero. It's it's perverse, isn't it? It's kind of... You couldn't it was the same it. thing as last year, but in Manchester, right? It, it, it's absolutely. And this was the thing when people said, you know, would he go to Manchester City? Yes, he would have done. He would have gone to Manchester City. The difference was that Pep Guardiola did not want him. It's just that he will do what he feels is best for him. And and all power to him. That's helped. That's worked his whole career. I've got no issues with that. If he leaves Manchester United tomorrow, you know, it's a, it's a hug. It's a pat on the back. Thanks for the years, Cristiano. And we get on with it and we forget about him. Because I'm I'm always of that ilk, Scott, that you don't talk about individuals, you talk about the team always. That's how you should be as a fan. But I get why people are seduced by Cristiano, but I'm not. Because I watch him every week at Old Trafford and I think, yeah, you score lots of goals. You're a hero. You're an icon. You do not make us better. I want footballers that make our football club better. I think you said it there, Rob. I mean, that's my position on this. Uh, I think... United should look to move Ronaldo on given the salary, given the transition of the team and this kind of thing. The thing that has really irked me over the last few years is there's always a player who is above, I'm not saying that they're above the team, but there always has been that aspect of Paul Pogba drama overshadowing what's actually happening on the pitch for United. And as much as I rate Paul Pogba, as much as I think he's a great player, that just got so tiresome in the end that it was all it was always a conversation which overshadowed the football. And that Paul Paul Pogba's gone now. Ronaldo's going to be that player if he stays, and he always has been that player. Generally, uh, mm-hmm. he has to be in the team because it's Ronaldo. Uh, and like you say, Rob, whenever that whenever he doesn't appear in the team, Ten Hag's going to get questioned. Why aren't you playing Ronaldo? Because that's how media generate clicks and sell papers and this kind of stuff. That's the way it's going to go. And I'm just, as a United fan, I'm so over uh, United having a player who is effectively bigger than them dominating the top of the conversation. I want to just look at the football and enjoy it for that reason and not have one player who's bigger than the rest of the team. That's the way I see it. Definitely. And, and, and I think, you know, we know how focused our football club commercially are in terms of their shirt sellers and what they want to do. There's a big shirt deal coming up in the next kind of year or two in terms of how Manchester United will negotiate that and who they will negotiate that with. Will they go back with Adidas? Will they go to Nike? Will they go to Puma? Will they go to one of the kind of new phase of, of kit suppliers that are out there now who are kind of being eaten up by Middle East consortiums doing those deals? So there's lots of scope for United. But you can't you can't base your your commercial projects or your sporting projects on a guy who's basically 38 and on his way out the door doesn't help you win football matches. As you said, we were going to get more of this next season and we were going to get it every week. United might lose a game 3-2, but Ronaldo gets you two brilliant goals, but you lost. And Eric Ten Hag would have to make decisions about around that team about how does he make a United side win. So if he leaves... All of that goes out the door. You don't ever have to think about it. And you can actually say to the players that you've already got, 
the players that actually did well for Man United 12 months before and beyond, right, this is your chance again. Because you don't have to deal with Cristiano in the dressing room. We know that he did split the dressing room. We know all those things are true. Um, and we talked about leaks out of the football club. People want to talk about Pogba and Lingard and all those types of players. Well, even some of the senior players do do that. So I think losing Cristiano at this point would be hugely advantageous to this Manchester United project. So uh, I'll, I'll move to that point then uh, instantly because I was going to come back to it and talk about potential clubs he could join. But how do United go about, let's say he does go, how do United go about replacing him? Because it does, as far as we know, Eric Ten Hag has been planning for Cristiano Ronaldo to be in his team and you'll find a way to get the best out of United with Ronaldo in the team. Now, obviously, this has happened. The two strikers who are on the market who are bona fide centre-forwards who can go and get you goals have moved to Liverpool and Man City this summer. There are a few options on the free transfer market. There are a few options elsewhere. United like Anthony on the right wing from Ajax, but they're being priced out of it at the moment. If Ronaldo goes to, say, Barcelona or Chelsea or a Bayern or whatever, how do they address that problem? Because they'll be light up front. They'll be light up front in terms of one player who scores goals. One player who gets you 25 goals a season. But if that one player stops the three behind him getting anything, getting any kind of chances in and around the box, because he it has to go to him, then I think you'll score more goals with Ronaldo gone. I really do believe that. And you're saying we're light. We're only light in terms of personality, Scott. You know, we're not actually light in terms of talent. Like the United team under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his final year scored infinitely amount more goals than last year's team with Ronaldo in it. Like loads. I think the difference was something like 40% more goals over the over the campaign. Manchester United, I think, scored 121 goals in all competitions under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his last full season and obviously got nowhere near that last year with Ronaldo. So I don't believe any of that, you see, in terms of the position. United will go and look for a striker, but I don't think that there's any real huge rush who do you play through there? Well, if you can go and get Anthony and get Anthony on the right and you've got Sancho on the left and you've got Martial back in back in the squad, you've got Rashford back in the squad, well, hopefully, you know, back to his highest level. And you've got someone like Bruno Fernandes that can play as a false nine while you've now got a new number 10 behind you in Christian Eriksen. I don't think you're light up top. You're only light up top in terms of tradition that someone who is a number nine. So I would be happy to start the season with all of those players. And then you go and but find those players them, right are terrible, Rob. This is the thing. Like, you know, those, those players are terrible in everyone's imagination because they saw stuff last year and they didn't like that stuff. But I will, I will stick to my guns here until I'm completely blue in the face. And I think that that attack last year was completely dysfunctional because of who you had at the point of the attack. The point of the attack was Ronaldo. So I can't blame him because he's still got his goals because he always gets his goals. As I used to say, if he was in your pub team, Ronaldo would score you 50 goals. He would because he just scored goals anywhere. He's an assassin in the box, but he doesn't help you build up. He doesn't help your connectivity. He doesn't help the, the flair of the team function. He doesn't do any of that work that you need to do in the modern game of closing down defenders. I watched last year, remember the Villarreal game? Remember he scored that goal at the end and that amazing goal? But Villarreal spent the whole game walking through him, walking. Pau Torres just walked past him the whole game. And we were sat there going, 
got, we haven't got chance here. You know, I got battered that night. We're dead. Like, we are dead. How we won that game, I don't know. But of course, it was an exciting moment. You know, our hearts jumped out of our chest because it was amazing to see Ronaldo score that last minute goal. And we got away with it. But what happened, Scott, was as the weeks and months went by on, we didn't get away with it, did we? It got worse and worse and worse and worse. We pressed no one. The pressing went backwards. Bruno Fernandes went backwards. Marcus Rashford didn't look like he was a footballer anymore. And the whole team collapsed. Not blaming Cristiano for that, but I think it's a collective effort. You either succeed together or you fail together. And I think next year, if you'd had Ronaldo there, and he still might be at our football club, you just said there, Ten Hag's willing to kind of give it a go with him. Well, I don't think Ten Hag really had much of a choice. Yeah, you know, well, he, he's had to say these things about Cristiano. But the absolute truth is, and we know this, is that he does not fit Ten Hag's team. You know, he would not fit a Guardiola team. He would not fit, fit a Jurgen Klopp team. He would not fit a Mikel Arteta team. As you go down the league, he's not a modern striker. He isn't. He's not a modern number nine. So you need players that can do the false positions. United have got those players. But you just have to take a leap of faith. You just say to the new manager, go and make these players better. And yes, we'll go and buy you someone in the market. Anyway, Sebastian Haller has gone to Dortmund now. Is that done, that deal? Yeah, they've still not announced it. I don't well, it's think. not announced. Everything's done. Not announced. So, I like, I've seen United fans go a lot on Twitter going, "Oh God, United are going to try and hijack Haller. Wouldn't that be a disaster?" No, go and get him because for forty million quid, he could really help your front line. He'd probably score your goals and do all that work that Ronaldo wouldn't do. And yet, Bruno would probably score more goals. Eriksson will get you goals now. Sancho might start scoring goals. Rashford might get back to it. Martial becomes useful. Can you imagine that, Scott? Five, six, seven players who weren't useful last year becoming useful suddenly you're going to start winning games again and it won't be about one guy at the top end of the pitch do you know like that this is based on nothing but like gut uh but why can i see ten hard going from memphis to pi <laughs> oh god that's that whole barcelona conundrum again isn't it like you know it like, this is based on nothing but i'm just i'm looking at the the dutch connection and but Bar- position at barcelona and the fact that there's unfinished business with United, the fact that he likes United. There's, there's other players on the market. Andrea Bellotti's on the market, not been snapped up yet. Paolo Dybala's yeah. on the market, is a number 10, really, but could fill a false line role. Oh, I love Bellotti. I, I, used to be, I know he's old now, but I used to... He's I 28. Always, he's not he old. Was, what we say old is like in terms of his high, his high octane style, he could be the kind of play, again, that you get him for like cheapest chips and really kind of has a huge upside, isn't it? They, he's I was saying that shopping in different markets, you know. So there are players out there, like you're saying, that can really help you. Memphis Depay, I think the thing is with him is that um, the clubs that have come in for him in the last few weeks are clubs that he has said that he just does not want to play for. Like, they are much below the station that he wants to be at. I don't see United making an offer for him. Like, could he be part of some elaborate deal for De Jong? Maybe to get a wage off the bill again. I don't know what he's on at Barcelona, but I'm I'm guessing that he's on a decent wage there. Um, so that might be a thing, but again, not the kind of. I don't think he's the forward you go for. I would take someone like Belotti in a heartbeat and show Ronaldo the door, put him in the car, and drive him to wherever he wants to go. You want to get Stamford Bridge, mate? I'll drive you all the well, way let's, there. And let's, let's talk about that now because I did want to get into this. Yes, uh, I've seen United fans react to this. With the, the Chelsea interest, Todd Bowley is obviously just took over Chelsea. Yeah. It remains to be seen whether Thomas Tuchel would want him in his team, but I think everybody can guess that Thomas Tuchel doesn't want him in his team. No, uh, no news on that yet. But Chelsea then, uh, it's, it's a different thing for me. I wouldn't have liked to see United go to City. Uh, I wouldn't have liked to see Ronaldo go to City last year. I think that would have been 
pretty awful. But Chelsea's different for me. Like I'm seeing a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is this will be the worst thing ever." But it's Chelsea. You know, they're not a direct rival to United. If they do get it right and Chelsea end up winning the league, this is a very Tim Pot position to take. Che- oh, Chelsea win the league, stop City and Liverpool winning it while United are in a rebuild. Whatever, I'll happily take that. But I can't. I don't know. I think I make Chelsea one of the more likely places for him to go. Would, as a fan, would you talking about driving Ronaldo to wherever he wants to go? Would you drive him to Stamford Bridge? I would totally <laughs> drive him to Stamford Bridge. I, I, I'll be completely honest. I was more upset when Juan Sebastian Veron went to Chelsea than I would be if Cristiano Ronaldo went to Chelsea now. I just, I just don't have any of these kind of emotional connections to these players, Scott. I really don't. I look at Ronaldo, and yes, you were an icon, and you did well for us, and you know we loved you then, and you were winning trophies and all of that. But I do think that if you move him on, you're going to be a better football club and a better football team. I really 100% passionately believe that. So, you know, you just said there about Tuchel. If he ends up at Chelsea... The reason why Chelsea are picking up Ronaldo at 38 is to sell shirts abroad. That's what they're doing it for. And this new this new owner at Chelsea, if he goes and gets Ronaldo, I think he's signing a death warrant for his own manager in terms of the project oh, yeah, that, that, that Tuchel wants to do. So you've moved Lukaku on because Lukaku didn't fit the numbers last year, didn't really hit it in terms of the style that Tuchel plays. Everyone knows how Tuchel wants to play. We know in terms of the fluidity, in terms of what he did both at PSG and going back at Dortmund. We know the kind of coach he is. And if you give him Ronaldo, his teams are going to start losing. So let's deliver him to Stamford Bridge. Now, that's not a... that's People might say, oh, you're just being insulting to Cristiano. I still think he'd score goals at, at, at Stamford Bridge. Loads of goals, in fact. Might score 30, 40 goals. Might get the golden boot. But tell you what, Chelsea are not winning anything. They're not. They just won't because Chelsea are always about a holistic system, aren't they, from their back, their midfield and at at the top. And you need players that can fill those gaps in terms of the tactics. Cristiano won't be able to do that. So I I think that's a little bit of a red herring. I do think that that Chelsea are interested, but it's because this this new owner wants to show his American conglomerates that he's got, the greatest player of all time in his team. And look what I've done. I'm not quite sure Thomas Tuchel will share that ambition. Yeah. So Chelsea are on the list uh, of options. Uh, I think somebody made a good point yesterday. If you're getting rid of Lukaku because he's unfit the system, what good is Ronaldo to it? That's a fair point. Uh, but it remains to be seen if Todd Bowley would like to bring him in for the statement that it makes. Chelsea are in the mix. Uh it looks like PSG are going in a different direction. They've uh, they're appointing a new manager today with a new director of football. They've signed Vitinha. They're signing. It looks like Skamaka as well. I think mm-hmm. uh, from Sassuolo, who is a striker. So I, I can't imagine that will be happening. Bayern Munich. Lewandowski wants to leave. He wants to go to Barcelona. But would they need a striker potentially? Ronaldo could tick off the German league box because uh, you know Bayern win the league every year in Germany. And he'd have a shot at winning the Champions League, which is what he wants. And then there's Barcelona, Rob, which you mentioned earlier, which I could see it happening as well. Well, we talked before, didn't we, about dominoes falling and how the transfer market works and kind of when one domino topples, they all start to move. I do think Cristiano is part of that set now. I do really do. I think in terms of his options, um, I really don't think Bayern Munich would want 
Cristiano. I don't, I don't see it. But I think the two clubs that are the most likely are, you know, there's been a lot of heat, hasn't it, coming out of Italy in terms of his name and connections. That's because of the agent. But I think the Barcelona deal with Cristiano would be, as I said, the biggest, it's the biggest transfer of all time, wouldn't it? It'd be like a huge, huge stink in La Liga and in Spain that he's coming back and playing for that football club. And I think Cristiano kind of likes that. You know, I think he would enjoy being that guy. Um, but what would that do for us, Scott, in a completely selfish sense? It would just take the biggest problem out of Manchester United, I think, for Ten Hag in terms of selection. And then you can start rotating. Genuinely, you can have players that are willing to play with each other. And you could drop your striker one week and say, well, do you know what? You did this last week. I didn't like it. So you now get a chance. Uh, and it would also allow Man United to be more active in the last seven weeks of the transfer market. Yeah, so what about then, could this have any effect on the Frankie de Jong pursuit? Obviously, Barcelona have uh, announced over the last few days, or yesterday as we record this, the arrivals of Andreas Christensen at centre-back on a free transfer, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously Frank Kessie from Milan as well. Mm -hmm. I, was just, I was just reading a de Jong story on my timeline about Barcelona wanting to sell him. <clears throat> um, you know, could this... Could United's interest in, or Barcelona's interest in Ronaldo, you know, allow them a different route of De Jong? Could it could it um, make it easier for them? Obviously, it's taken a lot of time at the moment, uh, and I think United fans are getting quite frustrated with this. But Barcelona have Barcelona are trying to sign a lot of players, aren't they? They're trying to, uh, you know, cut the wage bill. It's quite funny though, isn't it? Like they're doing like the message last week from Laporta is, yeah, De Jong needs to take a massive salary cut uh, if he wants to stay. And then he's the word is he's considering staying and like doing that. And then, oh no, we'd actually quite like to sign the highest earning one of the highest earning players in the world in Ronaldo when we don't need him. It shows you how stupid football is, isn't it, in terms of the business of the game. So, you know, Barcelona are skint in terms of their previous wealth. They don't have it, but they're trying to project to the world that they're still Barcelona. And this is why they might be tempted by Ronaldo. Because I think it's the same issue as you said Man United had a year ago. That when United got Ronaldo, they were like, look, we're still Manchester United. We've got Cristiano. And that's a kind of projection to marketplaces. Barcelona are in that world. Barcelona are trying to attract all sorts of new sponsorship, new money into their football club. So again, you put Cristiano on it. In a World Cup year, a Barcelona player, it means something to a commercial market. Now, to football fans, I don't think we should think about those things. We should be thinking about the football. But I think when you look at Barcelona and just saying there about De Jong, this is what I mean about dominoes falling. So you've got to wait for that one domino to fall. So I think that Ronaldo to Barcelona is a goer. And I think if that happens then things get done really super quick because it would decide whether Barcelona want to go for Lewandowski or not. If Ronaldo doesn't happen, Lewandowski is the player. What did Laporta say at the weekend? Oh, we'd like to thank Lewandowski for telling the world that he wants to play for Barcelona. We didn't really tell the world that. It kind of came through your subsidiaries. But yes, we do know that Lewandowski would like to play for Barcelona. But the fact that Laporta puts that out there is a, is a telling sign. One thing I will say also about Laporta, he is a liar. He will lie through his teeth in front of a camera to get what he wants. And that's not unheard of with both, obviously, Florentino Perez uh, and also with Laporta. So they're all posturing. And I think that these deals, what is so once that first piece falls, then other things will happen. I would just reiterate, the De Jong hold-up is not from Manchester United's end. 
Manchester United feel that they have an agreement across the board of what they want to play. Uh, Barcelona know what the deal is, obviously, and Barcelona are the ones kind of putting the brakes on this. Not because they don't want to sell the player, but just simply because they've got to get all their other business together because they are relatively on short money. They need to kind of stretch it out now. Frank Kessie going there, that's a big chunk of a wage gone. You know, you, you just said there, Christiansen's now confirmed. All of these things now need to be moved around the next week or two. Conveniently at Barcelona, the number seven shirt is available, I believe. Uh, so just shrugging my shoulders if you're listening on audio. Isn't that convenient? Very convenient indeed. But do you know what? Do you know what, Scott? 12 months ago, the number seven shirt should have gone to a lad who we signed from Dortmund, an English lad. He should have got that on the back. He was promised it for 12 months. He was. And they said to him, you're going to be our guy. You're go- We're going to base our football club around you. You're the next Magnificent Seven. And then he came and then they said to him, ah, oh, do you mind holding off for a year or two and you can have the seven in a, in a couple of years? It's such an awful way to run your football club, isn't it? So I would be quite happy to see that guy, Jaden Sancho, get the number seven shirt next year. And I think we'll see Sancho blow up. I think we'll yeah. see goals and assists and we'll see a completely different player to the one we saw for the first 12 months. And then if there isn't a striker to really fit the bill to replace Ronaldo, I would hold off and wait for wait for one to come available. And we mustn't forget how good the chemistry was in the early days between Bruno Fernandes and Anthony Martial. Yep. The chemistry was really, really good. They like each other, they're friends, they believe in each other and they'll work for each other. And that's what Bruno and Ronaldo didn't do. Like, they might be both Portuguese, but there was no real chemical connection between the two. Never has been. You know, I hear, bef- uh, you know, behind the scenes as well, that they're not good mates. They're just colleagues and they work together and they're okay with that. I think friendships are powerful things in football clubs. And and Martial didn't do it for United in the last year. Partly that is injury, part of that is form. But he could be a player that links really well with Bruno Fernandes if you play Bruno as the 10. So I don't feel the fear of any of that. I'm like, yeah, let's run it back. Let's see what Ten Hag can do with a set of players that really, really want to do it for him. Just to reiterate the point, it was only a couple of years ago where United fans were looking at the front line of Rashford, uh, Martial, and at the time, Mason Greenwood. Obviously, he, won't, he don't think he'd be coming back. but And calling that one of the greatest, you know, the, one of the best front threes in the world. And now United have got Jadon Sancho plus Rashford and Anthony Martial. Jadon Sancho is, you know, one of the best players of his ge- one of the most promising players of his generation. Why can't United rekindle that under a coach who has come in primarily, as it's been stressed by the press here, to improve the players and get the most out of the players that United have because they, the talent, they're a talented lot, but they ultimately underdelivered last season. So there's plenty of upside to this. There, there is, and like you just mentioned, Mason Greenwood. There, so we'll touch him a little bit. I think the thing is with, with Greenwood is that we don't know where the status of his case is. And if that case is dropped by the CPS and we were hearing that there is this chance that that might be a thing, if that happens, Scott, he will be playing for Manchester United again. It's just the truth. That's just what will happen. We know that the door has been left over by, open by Ten Hag. I'm not so ten... sure about that person. So I, I, th- I think this is all about, about Manchester United's status in terms of what they've got and what they, what they can move on and what they can do. So we don't know at the moment, where that case is. Now, if he gets prosecuted, of course, it's, it's finished. It's absolutely finished. But we've seen it in football before. Football clubs are very fickle when it comes to their biggest talents. He's a £100 million footballer. What do you do with that? You know, I think United don't obviously want the stigma, the connection with him in terms of 
what's happened with this case over such a long time. They've suspended him. They've made their, their position crystal clear with him as things stand. But this is a thing, you know, United have to decide what they do with that in terms of do you just move Greenwood on if he continues his career? You know, will anyone actually want him? Um, and then what do you do with that money in terms of reinvestment? Like you said there, Belotti, you could go and get a Belotti, couldn't you, tomorrow now and fill a big gap. You could go and fill that big gap. There's plenty of good players out there. But I still think United are, are kind of waiting to see where some of these chips fall. Even if a Belotti doesn't work out, I mean, if you pick him up on a free transfer and he scores, you know, plays a bit part role and you sell him for 10, 15 million in a couple of years, good yeah. business still. He could fill the Cavani role, couldn't he? Like, you know, we, we've not spoken about Cavani because he's kind of just disappeared out the door quite quietly. Um, but, but you, you know, you need to kind of replace what Cavani did for Solskjaer in that final year in terms of giving you numbers maybe off the bench or giving you kind of restricted minutes, but still finding a way to help you win football matches. Someone like Belotti would be really, really easy pickup. But there's lots of those players. And I do think, as I said, in these final weeks of transfer window, we're going to see a mad scrap the last two weeks. Like, I think this is going to be the craziest transfer window in the history of football, because there's a lot of teams who are going to have to shift salary. And because they're going to shift salary, they're going to say to other football clubs, can you just take this player? Just take them, like whatever the price, you know, just take them because we need to get them off the books. And I said, Man United might be one or two of those players as well there that we've not spoken about yet. If United really want them out of the out of the squad or, you know, they don't do well on pre-season or something like that, you might see that Ten Hag quickly shifts one or two out the door. Yep, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo will probably be one of the f- most important dominoes to fall in terms of the movement that happens. Uh <laughs> Personally, I don't think he will play for United again. I think his he's made his bed now. He will force that through. George Mendes will force that through wherever he goes. And we'll see what happens. But I think United will ha- just have to manage for now. Uh, without him, I'm sure they'll be fine. But yeah, uh, that could be the, what was supposed to be a fairy tale return. You know, at least we had some good moments where Ronaldo saved United. But, you know, nice to see it. But ultimately, it was the wrong move. And I think that. You know, I just have to move on and we'll see what they manage to do with Barcelona interested, Chelsea interested, etc., etc. Rob, I'm going to wrap up in a second. Anything you want to finish on? No, not at all. As I said, with Ronaldo, people know my position on him and it, and it isn't a personal thing. As we always say, it's, there's no agenda from me or anything like that. I'm just interested in the football itself. That's all I, all I care about, the sport. I don't really care about any of the other things that go along with football. I really don't. So I think with Cristiano, if he leaves, yes, you're going to have to go and buy someone else, but go and do it. You've got weeks to do it and you've just had this massive way of taking off the bill so you can go and do some extra business. And I think Ter- Eric Ten Hag, I believe in Eric Ten Hag. That's what I said yesterday. I believe in him and his way and his methods and his project. And I want to see that first game now in pre-season. I'm excited about it. And if Cristiano's not there or if Cristiano is, I'm still excited because I think this manager is the guy that will lead you to the promised land. Ooh, what a plug. Uh, That's where the show came from. That's where the show name came from. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at PromisedLandMU for the show at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B as well for Rob and I. Uh, And you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube as well. The Promised Land and Manchester United podcast, I believe is what you need to search. Long-winded, but you'll find us easily. So please subscribe to us. Hit the like button, join the community on that video as well uh, and drop a comment. And that's it. I think we're done for today. We'll be back on Friday when United fly out on their preseason tour. Hopefully with a few players confirmed, Christian Eriksen, Terrell Malasia, 
Lisandro Martinez, potentially, maybe Frankie De Jong will take a little bit longer, but uh, we'll see what happens with Ronaldo as well. And we'll talk soon. Rob, thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.